Hi, my name is Marie and I am a compulsive overeater, a recovered bulimic and restrictor. And um, I try and show these. It's a picture of me a number of years ago. I, two and a, three and a half years ago, I was in my bedroom, in my bed or in my wheelchair. I didn't get up. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. And that I realized was going to be the rest of my life. That's what I was looking for. I was kind of living in black and white, you know, there was, there was no color and I knew that I was going to die like that. I had to do something. And I went to my doctor and he put me on um, a calorie counting diet an obscene low amount, which I would never recommend for anybody. And um, once I lost about 75 pounds, I knew that I couldn't do it by myself. You know, I was, I was on my way and I was doing good, but it was willpower. It was Marie power. And I'd done it before. I'd lost weight so many times. And what I know is that I had, as I'm sure almost every single one of you will have said, a difficult childhood, PTSD, a lot of trauma, abuse. Um, to give you an idea, um, because I don't want to focus on, on that because it's really not what's important. But I want you to know that I understand and I've been through the ringer myself. Um, we weren't allowed to feed ourselves. We weren't allowed to get food for ourselves. We ate what we were given and it was very measured and doled out carefully. And um, we were abused. Um, so um, just between when I was nine, the ages of nine and 11 and a half, 12. When I was nine, I found my brother dead. He was 11 and um, he hung in his bedroom, but he was underneath the bottom bunk bed. It was, he was hanging from the, the bunk bed and I felt that it was my fault. Lots of, lots of story can go on around that. After that, my beloved uh, grandfather died and a boy I babysat whose mom was manic depressed de decapitated him. A girl I befriended who lived a, a couple blocks away was uh, shot in the head by her brother uh, and her stepfather. And when I was 11, I was on my way home from a Girl Scout meeting and was attacked and picked up and the man was carrying me into a nearby field and was going to rape me and it was interrupted. And I um, walked halfway home and ran the rest. And my mother who was still recovering from my brother's death 
and was on Valium, popped a Valium pill in my mouth and called the police and then left me alone with two male policemen to describe what happened. From that, it seemed that it um, created a door for my dad to start verbally sexually abusing me. And that went on until I was 24. Um, every day I would hear how I needed to do whatever it took to keep my man happy and um, a lot of details. So that's that's my past. And there was there was more. I mean, I could tell you, well, I, I could keep you entertained. My ex-husband became a woman. I mean, interesting stories. But what's important for us is to know that I learned how to cope by turning to food. Food was my friend. Food didn't judge me. Food, food didn't hurt me, or so I thought. And food just numbed everything. And so over the years, I kept getting a little bit bigger and bigger. And my mom would often put me on diets. And I was one of seven, which I didn't mention. And um, this was in South San Francisco. So it wasn't a bad place. It's just a lot of bad things happened at one time. Um, and I remember going on liquid protein the year I graduated from high school and hadn't eaten for four months and lost the weight. And when I was thin and I lost weight, I got all the approval and all the applause, you know, and I would hear it. Oh, you look so good. But when I wasn't thin, I didn't hear anything. And when I was in my early 20s, I became suicidal. I was in a bad marriage, had two babies, um, started cutting on myself. That was before people, you ever heard of anybody cutting. Um, and I ended up in the hospital and I got some help. And I heard about a um, thing called the life training. And it was a, like self-awareness seminars. This is in the uh, 80s. And I went and I took that. And it they taught things about um, when you have resentments, the payoffs that you get for carrying resentment, and then the cost and to look at that and process them and then make amends. And um, that is where I met my present husband. Um, but that was, you know, I knew him for a few years before we even dated. I then had stomach stapling, vertical banded gastroplasty. And at that time, there was nothing. Um, there was nothing, no, no therapy, no diets, no, you know, you just went and had the surgery and went home. And um, that gave me, losing the weight then gave me what I needed to be able to leave my husband and um, move out on my own, which I did. And I, I struggled. I, I really did struggle. And over the years, the weight slowly came back and because the food was always there because I learned when I was little the food helped me 
And so whenever I was afraid, even though I didn't know, realize that I was afraid, I was afraid all the time. I was afraid of getting hurt. I was afraid of hurting someone else. I was afraid that someone wouldn't like me. You know, I learned that I had to please everybody. That was my role in life was to make sure everybody was happy and that I was the peacemaker and I had to make sure everybody was at peace. And if they weren't, then I failed. And if I failed, then I wasn't any good. And so I ate. And over the years, I did get married again to my husband who I adore. And um, in 2000, I had complications from my previous surgery and I had a black mesh that was tearing out my stomach and the doctor said, well, he's gonna fix it. He might as well do a bypass at the same time because my weight had gotten up again. Uh, I was somewhere around 300. And so I had the surgery and started losing, but there was a problem. Something was wrong. I was having these horrid attacks of pain and it took a couple of years for them to realize that I had food going where food wasn't supposed to go. It was kind of messed up. So that had to be undone. So now my stomach is partially paralyzed. And I'm a mess. I'm still nine years old. And, you know, I'm 61 in my in birth years right now. But inside, I never moved on. I never grew up. So I still would go to the behaviors that I knew that all I knew that would work. And when I lost 75 pounds and I started going to a 12 step program at my church and it was the same 12 steps that we do. Very solid program, very good program. I learned that I can't do it on my own. I'd always believed in God. There's never been a time in my life when I didn't believe in God. There was a time where I thought he didn't believe in me, that you know, he didn't want anything to do with me. Um, and so that wasn't hard for me. But turning it over to God was a little hard for me because I realized that I didn't think that he wanted to hear about what I was going to eat or what I was going to do. And so I struggled with that, struggled with turning my food over. I can turn other things over, but my food was such a little thing. And meanwhile, I'm still eating a very small amount of calories. As a matter of fact, uh, we thought I had narcolepsy. I had started working at my doctor's office and I'd go in early in the morning and standing at the computer, I would fall asleep. Standing up, my knees would buckle underneath me. And that's how I knew I was asleep. And the doctor had sent me to get, you know, a sleep apnea test or a sleep test because I had already used a CPAP machine. And 
they said I had worked myself to exhaustion. But the amount of calories I was taking in was never brought into question. And I started realizing something wasn't right. COVID hit. Thank you. COVID hit. And I was home. I, I was home all the time. And I remembered going to an OA meeting when I was 15 with my oldest sister just once. And what I remembered about that meeting is they had sponsors. They didn't have any sponsors at my church. And I remembered the big book. And I found a meeting actually in Melbourne, Australia. It's my first meeting I went to and I've been there every day ever since. And it's a big book meeting. And I fell in love with it. And there's a lot more. They, they said the set aside prayer. And the first time I heard it, the second time, the third time, I was really concerned. God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and you. For an open mind and a new experience with myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and especially you. And of course, I didn't hear anything, but they want me to set aside what I know about God. They want me to forget my God. It didn't take long for me to went, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It says, set aside everything I think I know about myself. I have so many things that I think I know about myself. I have lied to myself my whole life about myself, about others. I would normally say I'm an honest person, but I'm a liar. I cheat myself. And that was the beginning. It's like a rose started opening for me and new understanding started coming in. There's more here. There's more. Now I have been an avid Christian studying the Bible for years. And yet there was so much more for me to know about my higher power because it's a different relationship. And I was able to start trusting that actually God does want to know what I'm going to eat that day. And I learned about in page 86, 85, 86, they talk about in the morning, the first thing you do when you get up is you turn to God, your higher power. Now, the first thing I do, I say the serenity prayer, and then I say the set aside prayer, but I've rewritten the set aside prayer to personalize it to myself, such as I add, help me not be judgmental of myself or others. Help me to listen more than I speak. Help me to focus on others, not myself. And I, I focus on certain things. And as time goes on, that'll change and adjust to based on what I need to focus on, what I need my higher power to help me with. And 
the confidence that I've developed just in that, in this amount of time has been so great. Now, the number of pounds that I've dropped is over 180. I don't know the exact amount. Um, I stopped weighing myself pretty much. Um, and I also um, don't count my abstinence, how many days abstinence. I have an idea, but I, the days I've been abstinence became a higher power to, my, to me. And so that's not a good thing for me. So anything that I put and make my higher power is a warning. So this is a picture of me. Uh, sorry about that. It's about two months ago, I guess. At that time, I'm walking between seven to 10 miles a day. And when I walk, that's when I talk to my higher power. And I, I like to walk first thing in the morning. You know, I've said my prayers, but I start again and I say them again once I'm on the walk. And I think about what I'm gonna do for the next 24 hours. I think about each of my sponsees and I ask my higher power, how do you want me to be? What do you want me to see? Usually I hear, listen. Um, one time I had a sponsee that couldn't set a boundary. It was a big deal and she couldn't do it. And I heard my higher power tell me, have her write a poem. A poem? I would have never in a gazillion years thought of that. Well, come to find out, she writes poetry. That's a passion of hers that I didn't know about. And she wrote an amazing poem. And then my higher power said, have her share it. Now she couldn't set the boundary with the individual that she needed to set the boundary with, but she shared it with a trusted group of people. And she called me back in tears. She said, it's like I said it. It was, she felt like she had set that boundary. That's the closest on that day that she could get to do it. That's not me. That's the higher power. And I want you to know that higher, your higher power, male, female, whatever you choose for your higher power is there for you, cares about you, cares about what you eat, cares about your bathroom habits, really cares. Like, like a mother with, with their newborn baby. You can turn to your higher power for anything and you can tell your higher power anything. And what I found in the rooms, that's what I call it, the rooms. I don't know what everybody else calls them, the Zoom rooms. I have found friendship, friendship like I've never had in my life. I have found acceptance and it, it has nothing to do with what I weigh, has nothing to do with pleasing someone else. It's totally connected to me.
to who I am inside. And I can share that with people. And that little girl that's been so afraid is taking a back seat. I'm, I'm finally growing up. And you know, I've, it's like I've stepped out of um, like the Wizard of Oz when she leaves the black and white world and steps into the beautiful land of Oz, the beautiful colors. That's my life now. You know, I've got grandkids in California. I live in Kentucky. And I am excited about going out there and playing with them. I have more energy. I have still have a lot of physical problems. I just had surgery. I had seven pounds of excess skin around my thighs removed because I couldn't walk without medical problems because there was so much excess skin there. And so I'm recovering from that right now. But I am so excited about when COVID is in the rear view mirror and I can go out and play and see my grandkids. And life is bright and it's to be enjoyed and not to be feared. And I just wish that for each one of you that you can step out into the color. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.